So tonight we're going to be coming from the book of Ephesians. And um, interesting, I was <laughs> praying. I know where we've been coming from for the last week, uh, last few weeks, and we are thankful to God that he is really just directing the things that we have been sharing with you over the broadcast and here even in the midst of our Bible study. We pray that the word has been rich and exactly what you need and helping you to walk this relationship that you profess out before God and not allowing anything to come to distract you from doing the things that God has called you to do as the believer. So I want to encourage you tonight to don't just be a listener uh, of this word, be, be a listener and a doer of the word. But when you begin to do it and practice it, you'll find that you're growing in God and you're finding that the more of the insecurities, the more of the residuals of the past in our lives will begin to be shedded off because of the power of the word. The power of the word is so potent that if you just allow it to just be the word and accept it for what it is, your life will be changed. Your life will never be the same. Your life will be changed and it will never be the same. And you'll live it. You'll be you'll see it. Others will see it. You'll walk in a greater power. You'll walk in a greater anointing when you allow the word to be that that governs your life. And I just want to encourage you to, you know, if you're going to walk this life, walk it, live it, you know, declare it. You know, if not in your words, do it in your actions because people look at what you do bigger and greater than what you say. Because people say a lot of stuff, but sooner or later, if they're faking it, it's going to come out. So you just step back and watch and see. And their example is going to reveal to reveal to you the type of person they really are. Jesus said, what is ever in a man's heart is going to come out. You know, he might can fool you for so long, but sooner or later, it is going to come out. And the, the true person is going to be revealed to you. So I just want to thank you. Um, tonight again for just tuning in with us this evening um, in the book of Ephesians I'm going to get you to where we're going to start at the fifth chapter Ephesians the fifth chapter and before I give you the verses because I don't want you to read ahead of me praise the Lord but tonight's uh, title tonight's title is going to be the word does the work the word does the work or let the word do the work Either one you want to write down. Let the word do the work or the word does the work. Over the last few weeks, we have been talking about the fight to live a godly life. We've talked about how the flesh fights daily against the spirit to make you do what it wants and how the spirit fights against the flesh to cause you to do what he wants you get that the flesh wars Galatians says the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit wars against the flesh these two are contrary one to the other that's what the fifth chapter of Galatians talk about if you read through that or starting proud about the 17th verse on through at the end of it you'll see the type of fight that takes place and if you don't understand the, the works of the flesh Galatians will tell you the type of things that will tell you this is the flesh and it also tell you this is the spirit. So Galatians 5 is a good place to read. We also talked about how our lifestyle should reflect the life of a believer according to the scriptures. 
I put that in there at the last minute when I went through editing my notes according to the scripture because so many people have a their own definition of what it means to be a believer. Some people add a little bit to it. Some people take a lot of from it. Some people water it down. Some people hold it super strict to make it impossible for people to live this life. But according to the scripture, it's laid out. It's laid out. There's not too, it's no works in it of you in and of yourself. We just have to believe and walk in what Christ has already done. Amen. Amen. So we talked about, let me finish that statement how our lifestyle should reflect the life of a believer according to the scripture and how that lifestyle should reflect the image of God. We talked about Genesis, the first chapter where God said, let us create man in our own image. And in the image of God created he them, amen. Um, male and female, he created them. You know, he didn't create two males. He didn't create two females. He created a man and a woman. Amen. Amen. Number three, we talked about how we must consider constantly beat or discipline our flesh our bodies to become a slave to righteousness Paul said in I believe it's 2 Corinthians um, how we he has to um, subject his body or I keep under my body daily under subjection I keep it under subjection to the word amen how he disciplines it and he beats it we talked about this last week and we found that in the Greek that word keep under is sip is really serious definition. It talks about how when you're disciplining it, you discipline it to make it surrender or to become a slave to what you're trying to get it to do. So in other words, if your flesh is acting up, you're disciplined against the flesh, uh, toward the flesh should cause it to become a slave to righteousness. I think of the movie Roots and how they used to beat people into subjection to get them to do what they want to do. Well, that's that's exactly what this is talking about. You have to beat, you got to tell, now you don't have to get a stick out and beat yourself with it. Um, but I believe that the word is like, you know, one scripture in the Old Testament, I believe is Ezekiel, say that the word is like a hammer. Hebrews say the word is like a two-edged sword. Ephesians says like a sword as well. So if you take the word and apply it to your life, it'll cut away the things that are that are unnecessary. It'll break loose the things that 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 you shouldn't have or that you find the greatest struggle in. If you just allow the word to do the work, it will discipline the flesh to do what the spirit desires. Amen. Amen. Uh, we also talked about how important it is to endure temptations. The temptation of things that come to draw us away from Christ, things that taint our witness. Amen. We have to work at, we have to endure temptations. We talked about how James said that being tempted is not a sin, is when we uh when we yield to sin, that is where um, the sin comes in. He says that we are drawn away of our own lust. And therefore, when lust has conceived, sin takes place and then death comes as a result of that. Now, is it talking about you going to immediately die? No, it's not saying it. It's talking about spiritual death, that if you don't repent of those sins, then spiritually you're going to die. You're going to be dead. You will not be spending eternity with God. Amen. 
So we have to make sure that when temptation comes, and when te how do I know it? The temptation is only going to come by things that are, you are attracted to. Your enemy is not going to send you stuff to tempt you with that you have no desire of, that you have no, no type of inclination toward, because then it's not a temptation to you. He's only going to give you, attempt you with things that, that he shows, that you show an interest in that can lead you to doing the things that are against God's will. That's what he does. That's what the enemy does. Amen. Uh, we also talked about the law of sin and how the flesh is governed by it. We talked about that's in Romans, the sixth and the seventh chapter, specifically the second, seventh chapter, the law of sin of the of sin nature, how it has its own will. It is not governed by the spirit. It is not governed by the world. The word, it is governed by the, the law of sin. I'm going to do what I want to do because I love the way it feels. That's what the flesh wants. We talked about the law of the spirit and how we are governed by it, or we should be governed by it. The spirit in itself has an alternative motive, uh, an alternative agenda, and that's to get us into following the will of God for our lives. So we've been dealing with this lifestyle for a couple of weeks, and I want to encourage you to continue work at your relationship with God. Don't don't get upset if you stumble, fall. You know, people, man, pe people, people are merciless. They don't, you know, people look for excuses and reasons to, to make you look bad. And, you know, you just cannot, you know, you cannot let them uh, worry about it. We get up, we dust ourselves off. We say, God, I forgive me, move on and go do what you got to go do. You know, David had situations in his life. We all, everybody always talk about David. But it's many men through the scripture that may have fallen and that gotten back up and moved on in God. I mean, think about Elijah, you know, the man who witnessed God showing himself on Mount Carmel and killed all, you know, burned up the sacrifice and, and killed all the prophets of Baal. And then as soon as that temptation, that 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 revelation of God's anointing or power was shown. Jezebel, which was Ahab's wife, threatened him because she he had killed all the prophets of Baal and Elijah ran and went into a depressive mode. I mean, he's a man of God. He's human, right? It happens to us. It happens to us. But we have to remember that it's not all this is not about us. You know, Christ came to perfect us and, and mature us, and he doesn't hold all these the little bitty idiot, itty old things. If, if we had to micromanage our walk with God, we all would miss it. That's the way the law was. When we really think about it, before Christ came, the law was these little bitty old things. They had to do this. They had to do that. They had to do this. They had to do that. And simply nobody could keep the law. That was, that, that is why Christ came. He fulfilled every this, that, dot, dash, period, comma, exclamation point, italicized word, parenthesized word, brackets, and all the other things. He fulfilled all of that so that all you have to do is just believe in him. That's it. No, no additional stuff, nothing to take away from it, nothing to add to it. It's just boom, there it is. You know, we say, oops, there it is. Yep, oops, there that is. Don't add nothing to it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So tonight, I want I want you to know that there was a reason for Christ's death. Amen. Christ's death. There was a reason. We we talk about the redemption and all of that, 
There was a reason he sent the Holy Spirit to the earth. Amen. He said, when I die, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to be in the earth at that point. Amen. He's going to lead you, guide you, teach you, instruct you, show you things to come. He won't hold anything secret to you. He'll reveal to you. He'll remind you of everything God is saying. He'll speak of those things that he hear of the Father, the Holy Spirit. That's why it's necessary to stay in the Word. He'll reveal the Word of God to you. That's his job. It's important. That's why it's important. We talk about the Word does the work. You know, really, the Word does the work if we allow it to. Let's look at Ephesians well, let me finish that statement. There was a reason he sent the Holy Spirit to the earth. His plan for the church was to prepare it to be presented to himself. Jesus' plan for the church was to prepare it to be presented to himself. Ephesians 5, 25. We're going to read that. And tonight I'm going to give a... I, I just took those few verses... And I'm going to dissect that with a lot of, I say a lot of definitions, but I want to show you how, how this, these three verses can show you how powerful the word is in preparing you to meet your, your, your God. Amen. It says this husbands, and we're not talking about marriage tonight, but we, it says this husbands, Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish do you see yourself in that scripture husband love your wives even as so we're going to look at the second part even as Christ also loved the church and what gave himself for it we all can attest we know that Christ gave himself for the church amen he literally gave release his power and his authority and surrendered it unto mankind to do whatever they wanted to do to him. And we have a testament. We have movies. We have uh, all the plays we go through. We read the scripture, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and it talks about the beatings Christ took. You know, and there was one instance in um, <laughs> uh, Peter, one, one of the disciples, you know, got up and cut off the man ear, you know, and did all the things that to try to keep them from taking Christ. And Christ said, hold up now. You know, if you if you kill by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. And he basically told them, one is he said, don't you know I have the power to call a legion of angels down to, to deliver me? Amen. You know, he gave himself for the church. Yeah, the scripture said that some of them fell back but he is the word see that's the that, that's what I'm talking about the word let the word do the word just the spoken word is enough to change our lives and I think that's why God told Moses in the book of Deuteronomy I want to say about the uh, the 14th chapter where it talks about training up your 
teaching your kids, you know, put you know, put it on the doorpost, you know, speak of it when you're coming in your house, when you're leaving your house, while you're living in your house, train them, teach them, talk about it. And then, then Joshua talks about meditating on it day and night that you might observe to do the entire law so that you can have good success if you want to read it. I mean, the word is that potent. And that is why. See, that's See, if, if we as believers can understand, that is why it is so hard for us to get in the word we get it, we open it, we fall asleep. That is why we, the number one thing a lot of Christians talk about, when I read it, I don't understand it. That is because it is so powerful. The enemy wants you to think that. In fact, the scripture saying, I don't know where it is right now, I'll say it. It said, the, gods, the God of this world blinds the mind of people so that they may not understand or receive the word of God. We have to understand that Satan's number one job is to keep you from receiving. He is <laughs> Satan's number one job is to keep you from receiving, understanding, from reading the word of God because he knows that there is power in the word. It has power to change every area of your life that it needs to touch. That's it. And his number one job is to distract you. He'll get you busy with this. He'll get you busy with that. He'll get folk come at the wrong time. You get the wrong phone call. You get the wrong text right before church. You, you, you have an argument on the way to church. You wake up in the morning tense, mad, and frustrated, tired, and exhausted. All of that hinders you from receiving a word. You got to deal with all that. Your bill's late. You got to figure out how you're going to pay the bills tomorrow because they got a termination notice on your door. Or you just know that it's due. You're trying to figure out if you're going to have enough money to get it all done. It's all distractions. It's all a distraction to get you from being focused on what God is saying, on what the word of God is saying and how it, how it can come into your life and change your life forever. That's the word of God. That's the power of the word. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm sorry. I got on the run right there. Praise the Lord. But let's look at this. I want to start out with the word gave. You know, we say even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, because my job tonight is to show you the power of the word. And we're going to talk about this on, on our Sunday broadcast, our um, Vision of Hope Today broadcast, the necessity of the, how necessary is the word of God to the believer. That is very important. And we have to understand that as a believer, the word is our only source of food. It ain't a recorded, it ain't a, a magazine, it's not a track, it's not um, some dynamic writer in his book, it's not an article in the newspaper or a Christian magazine. It is the word of God, period. While he's writing about the principles in the word, he should believe. I understand that. But the word of God washes us and prepares us to be presented to Christ. If we look at the word gave in that verse 25, how Christ gave himself for it, it simply means he gives into the hands of another. He gave himself over. We talked about that earlier. Amen. Well, Christ gave himself up to the Roman guards. He gave himself up to the Roman guards. Why? And we're going to find out as we go through the scripture. There was a reason why he had to. He could not not give himself up. If he had just stood in the authority and the power that God had created him in 
as God in the flesh, then the Romans would have come to him and all of them would have just fell out right there because of the power and the glory of God evident in their very eyes. But he had to relinquish his power and his authority for them to capture him and take them at will. So he willingly gave himself up. He had an ulterior motive. We have to understand that Christ had an ulterior motive, just like your enemy. Everything he sends your way, he has an ulterior motive. And he ain't going to tell you. He don't, he don't have no, well, there, <laughs> you know, we got the word that tells us about the enemies, tell us to not be ignorant of our enemy's devices. That's what the scripture says. But there is no book that gives us all of Satan's schemes that he can use against us. There is not a book. So because there is no book, we have to rely on the spirit of God and the spirit of discernment to show us and reveal to us the enemy's tactics. It's important. But our number one weapon and defense and offense against our enemy is the word of God. Jesus had to use it on Matthew 4 chapter after his 40 day fast. He had to use the word just like we have to use the word. And when he finished telling the devil the words, the devil took off running. Amen. So he gave himself willingly to be taken. Christ gave himself. Why? That he might do what? Sanctify is our next word. Sanctify. You don't hear that word preached too much. When I was a young Christian back in, you know, in the day, I ain't going to give you the, the years. Amen. They used to talk about being sanctified or uh, 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 um, to be sanctified. You have to live this life sanctified, separated, set apart for God. And a lot of the youth even back then used to be like, what does that mean? How we can't do that? Sanctify, sanctify. Well, my challenge, my thing is this. If God didn't think that we could do it, he wouldn't have sent the directive. But we can't do it in ourselves. Amen. The easiest part is we're going to find out what is going to what helps us to become sanctified and set apart. That's what's important. So sanctified means to hollow or to separate from profane things dedicated to God. Amen. Consecrated to God. Purified to cleanse externally. To purify from guilt of sin. To purify internally of renewing of the soul, to make holy, to be holy, sanctified. It's a lot there, isn't it? To be hollowed, to be separated from profane things and dedicated to God. So if we look at the scripture, Christ loved the church and gave himself over so that, right, he might dedicate us to God, right, or sanctify us, right, separate us from sin and present us as holy to God. He gave himself to sanctify us. In and of Christ's death, he sanctified us, the blood. Right. You want to get a study and understand what that means. Look at. Romans, 
ooh, I want to say about the third, fourth chapter, it goes in and starts telling you about how one man's sin caused damnation upon the entire world, talking about Adam, and then one man's life, justification, fell upon all mankind for those who received him. Amen. Who are they talking about? They're talking about Jesus Christ. So if you read those chapters through Romans, you'll see the distinction between the two, and then you'll understand how important it is to know Christ and what he did for you. Praise the Lord. So he gave up himself. He surrendered himself so that we, the church, may be sanctified, separated, dedicated to God, and cleansed. Sanctified and cleansed. Let me read. I jumped ahead. John 17, 17 through 19 says this. Before we go to that third step. John 17, 17 through 19 says this. Sanctify them through thy truth. We talked about this several weeks ago. Thy word is truth. This is a prayer that Jesus prayed. The whole chapter of St. John, the 17th um, chapter, is a good chapter that you can read to see the prayer that Jesus prayed for his disciples before he left the earth. Amen. He says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I have also sent them, them as us, the disciples, amen, into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctified myself. Did you get that? That they also might be what? Sanctified through faith. Verse 19. And for their sakes, the believers, those who would acknowledge him as Lord and Savior, I sanctified myself. I gave myself. I separated myself. I was the distinction. I was the, the, the one that set myself apart so people can say he's different. He's not like the Pharisees. He's not like the Sadducees. He's offering us something better, greater. That's what the woman at the well said, right? Come see a man who told me all I've done. He's talking about he got water that will never make that I will never thirst again. He's different. The man at the pool of Bethesda sitting there waiting for somebody to put him in the water so that he can be healed. Just said, what's take? Why are you not healed yet? And man said, well, before I got every time I start going, somebody jump in front of me. And Jesus said, well, what hinders you from being here now? He said, nothing. And Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. Man picked up his bed, got healed and walked away. It's just as simple as that. But see, that's the word. And we make it so much different when we just accept it for that man. Say, well, what do you mean pick up my bed? Can you tell me the Greek meaning of pick up my bed? It's just accept what I'm telling you that you're healed. Just pick it up. And when you start, when you do that, you're going to be healed. Just as simple as that. Don't make, don't, you're out there with some people. Don't make it more difficult than what it really is when it's just as simple as believing and the word gonna take care of well now you need to well what do i need to do now you need to put down your cigarettes you need to stop drinking you need to do let the, the the word do the cleansing that's what we have to understand jesus said i gave myself to sanctify the church and cleanse the church not that the church cleanses itself but I will cleanse them. Well, how am I? How is Jesus going to cleanse us? 
by the washing of water by the word. By the washing of water by the word. I am cleansed, I am sanctified by the washing of the water by the word. That's why the enemy don't want you to get in your Bible. That's why you can't find it when you really need it. That's why you forget it at home when you rent to pick it up. That's why you can't understand it when you really want to understand it. That's why your mind drifts off in the middle of a message. Because the enemy don't want you to, to, to grasp the word that is sanctified. He don't want you to, to ingest the sanctifying, cleansing power of the word of God. It takes the effort out of your walk. It takes all the work off of you and it allows the word to do the work. Because when you read the word, and this is, and this is what we talk, we talk about Romans 12 and 1 all the time. <clears throat> being not conformed, right, to the word, but being transformed by the renewing of the mind. As you read the word, your mind starts transforming. It changes. You, your thought processes, your thinking patterns, your behavior tactics, tendencies your attitudes start changing when you start reading the word it becomes a part of you it becomes habit habitual to you it becomes non-effort it becomes effortless because it's what you're programming yourself to do so then your reactions are going to be reactions that are governed by the word so you'd be like well shoot i didn't blow up that time well the word must be really working in my life and people are like well shoot that's she don't be mad all the time. She's not as agitated as much all the time because you've been reading the word. The word is starting to sanctify you. The word is cleansing you. You're allowing the word to do what it comes or what Christ gave it to us to do. That's why you got to read it every day. That's why you got to die. Not just read it, but you got to put it to memory. It, it is ooh, the, the way the culture is today. I don't know if we're going to be able to carry Bibles around. I don't know if we're going to be, if Jesus don't come back before the things take place on this earth, then I don't know if we'll be able to meet together as a church or a body of believers because of the possibilities of the persecution that will be given or poured out upon the church. We don't know. Some will do it anyway and not worry about it because it's going to happen no matter what. But the point of the matter is we have to get this word in us so that we can be empowered. And it's going to, I have a definition of something later that's going to really show you what I'm talking about so that we can empower, be empowered to live this life of a believer so that the world can see the difference in a true believer of Jesus Christ and not a watered down version. I'm tired of watered down versions. It's, it's making it difficult for the true ones. So our next word that we want to talk about is cleanse, to make clean uh, from physical stains and dirt. I like this, like utensils, like you're washing your dishes, removing dirt from it. That's the way the word does. It washes us. It moves the stains of our spirit, our mind, our soul. It frees us from the defilement of sin, from faults, from wickedness, from from the guilt of sin, it purifies us, it consecrates us, it dedicates us. That's what cleanse means. Pures, purified by fire, amen. It cleanses like a vine cleansed by pruning and makes itself fitted to bear fruit. When you prune a tree, you clip in more, more branches so that those branches above can become more fruitful and bear more fruit. 
That's what Christ does as we walk and allow the word to grow and do what it's supposed to do in our lives. As the closer we get to God, the more Christ tells us to shed off those things that we used to do. Amen. You can't talk to those people. You can't hang around those conversations no more. I need you to stop talking about that. I need you to stop cussing. Work. Allow me to come in and clean your conversation up. Allow me to come in and, and change the type of people you're, you're hanging around that are influencing you to do opposite of what I'm wanting to. Allow me to come in so that you'll understand how important it is to be careful of what type of environment you're, you find yourself in and people are, you find yourself around. That's the pruning away of things amen that he begins to direct us and show us but that only comes by the word of God because the more you read the word the more it is revealed to you the things that you need to allow the word to do in your life so you find yourself I like the way Colossians say there's some things we got to pull off pull off this pull off that pull off this that first first chapter of Colossians that second chapter of Colossians you know pull off this pull off this and when he get through telling you to pull off this he said now put on this put on this put on that read that Colossians first and second chapter it's going to blow your mind it's going to blow your mind but there's some things that we have to do but that only comes by allowing the word to do the what sanctifying and the cleansing that's it by the washing of the water by the word. It's simply, it, I looked that up, bathing. <laughs> like bathing, cleansing, washing with soap and water. You clean, like you're cleaning out a wound. That's how the word, pour, just think of pouring a peroxide in a wound, amen? It bubbles up, you know, and gets all that infection out. That's exactly what the word of God is. It's like a peroxide. It goes down into your soul and bubbles all the filth. All the bad attitude and all the stains of the of, of the past sins and the soulless mind and the fleshly flesh and the, the, the sinful nature, it bubbles all that stuff out and sanctifies you, makes you clean, sets you apart, makes you distinctive. So when people say, Oh, that's a believer right there, I need to go ask that person to pray for me. They're gonna pray. People walk up to you and say, Are you a believer? I thought you were. Well, how you knew that? I can just tell. Because the word is doing what it's supposed to do. It has sanctified you. It's presented you. It's a glowing on your life. It's the anointing of God that is evident on your life where it's not, it's not hidden anymore. You're not that Christian that is hidden, hidden under a bushel, or under a cover, under a bridge, under in a cave where people can't see you. You're that Christian that's standing on top of the mountaintop, shining bright, and others can see the light that's showing out of your life. Amen. And as we learned this weekend, as when I'm shining, that means the enemy can't do nothing. He can't come near me because he is darkness and darkness can't hang around where light is. That's what I like about it. Hallelujah. Amen. I hope you're getting something out of this. I'm getting excited as I'm talking to you about it. Amen. Amen. By the washing of the water, by the word. Let me let you listen to a clip that I found today. Uh, before I go any further and the clip really just um, blessed me because it's of a minister that uh, from back in the day J. Vernon McGee and he was just straight up teaching and he talked about this same um, thing that that we're talking about tonight and I thought I said let me play this tonight because I think it'll bless the people of God so let's see 
Now we come to the expectation of the church, verses 25 through 33. Listen to this. Husbands, love your own wives, even as also Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, God never asked a woman to submit to any man that doesn't love her and love her like this. Oh, this is, this is Christian love on a high plane. And let's remember, we're talking to Christians now. Somebody says, my, I tell you that young people are finding out about sex and there are these books today on marriage and all that. May I say to you, I'm a square, let me say it though. <laughs> all of that's nonsense. Only the Christian can know what real love is in marriage because it's carried to the high plane of the relationship between Christ and the church. And it's nothing like that, my friend. Now, we're looking to the future. In order that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the labor of the water and the word, that he might himself present to himself the church glorious, having neither spot or wrinkle or any one of such things, but that she should be holy and without blemish. What a picture we have here. The past is given. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church, gave himself for it. Christ in the past died for the church. And here in verse 26, the present, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That's the reason he wants you in the word of God. That's the way he can cleanse you. The word of God is the best cleansing powder that there is today. It's better than any of these things that are advertised on radio and TV. The Word of God will not only take out spots, but it'll keep you from getting spots in your life. And then the future is here, that he might present it to himself someday a glorious church. And I am not going to take time today to go into that because it speaks of something we're going to see when we see the church presented to Christ in the book of Revelation as a bride adorned for her husband. And that's a time when women are beautiful when they get married. I never saw an ugly woman in a marriage ceremony in my life, and I've seen quite a few of them. Now, may I say to you, a champagne supper is not what you need for your marriage. The thing you need is to be filled, both of you filled by the Holy Spirit, and I want to tell you something. You will have the greatest honeymoon that any couple ever had. These little frizzly-headed girls and boys today that are talking about sex and extramarital relationships, they don't even know what real love is. They know a whole lot about sex. But my friend, they don't know anything at all about the beauty and the ecstasy and the sweetness of a real Christian marriage. How wonderful this is. Now he's, he's talking about marriage, but you know something? When you look at it in a relationship with Christ's relationship with the church, and the purpose of it is the sanctifying, cleansing by the washing of the water, by the word. And he does all that to do what this second part of our lesson is, gonna, is talking about. He does all of that loving and giving and sanctifying and cleansing and washing it with the water 
by the word that he might present it to himself. We talked about how the, the church is the bride of Christ. The scripture talks about it. We, the church, the church in, in, in and of itself is considered the bride of Christ. The church will be presented to Christ when we get to heaven. That's right. After the rapture, the rapture of the church. Once the rapture of the church takes place, he's gathering the church and the, the Bible says he presenting the, the bride to himself and she stands there as this glorious church without having spot or wrinkle. He gave himself to sanctify us, to cleanse us and to wash us so that when we are presented to him, we stand before him unspotted. No wrinkles. Think of a, of a wedding gown. I mean, I remember when we, boy, I tell you, when my, my wife found her wedding dress, ooh, man, we was, ooh, pray, it was a blessing, amen. Man, that was a blessing. I don't know if, ooh, man, I can't even tell people how much a blessing that was, but it was a blessing. Amen. But I remember the, the fitting part and trying to get it looking right. You don't want no wrinkles. You don't want no stains. You want to make sure it fit every. You get it altered. You get it tucked. You get it let out. You get it taken in. You get the hem fixed. You make sure it, all the lace is in, in place. And you make sure the veil is in order and no tears, no strings hanging. It's, that's how particularly how particular Christ is to us, the church. He don't want no stains on us. He don't want us to be wrinkled. He, he wants to be flawless. But it only becomes possible that we are flawless by the word of God. That's what he, I gave myself. I've done all the work. I've given my whole life so that you could be presented to me flawless. So that you could be sanctified and know that you don't have to do what they say you can do. Or what the flesh or the sin, the law of sin tells you you have to do. Or the tendencies that it gives you to make you want to do it. You don't have to do it. It's powerless. Amen. You're sanctified. You're set apart. You're different. You've been cleaned. You've been cleansed. You've been washed with soap. Well, it's better than soap. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that takes away the sin of the world. The blood. There's a segment that there's a place in Revelations, um, the second coming of Christ, right after the second coming of Christ, where, where Christ is sitting on his throne. And I believe the uh, John, I believe it was, I read it, I can't remember if it was John. I think it was John. He said, who are those that are standing before the throne in the white robes? And Jesus said that it is those who have made it through tribulation, the tribulation. They stand there with their robes white, being washed by the blood of the lamb. That's amazing when you think about it. Washed by the blood of the lamb. How can red blood make a man's soul white, pure and cotton? Isaiah says, "This, though your sins be as scarlet, he'll make it white as snow. Isaiah, the first chapter. Though your sins be as scarlet, he'll make it white as snow. It is amazing that the whole intent, the whole intent of Christ giving himself at the end of it, 
is that he will be presented with a church without spot or wrinkle. My, my. That's going to be an amazing day. And we have to remember, we won't be presented to Christ in these bodies that we see here today. Our bodies are going to be different bodies. They're going to be glorified bodies. They're going to be bodies that have been changed from what we're accustomed to here and all the tendencies that it has to a glorified body, meaning a spiritual body that the only desire it is is to please God. That's what we're feeding when we read the word, the spirit man, our inner man, the real us, the spirit us, the what God has created, the one that was reborn when we gave our life to Christ. Amen. Well, the one that was born when we gave our life to Christ. Amen. The washing of the water by the word. Let me, the, the word word means this. It talks about a rhema word. We hear people talk about a rhema word of God, the rhema word. But the Greek word to this particular word in Ephesians is the rhema word. Rhema word. That's the Greek word of word. <laughs> the Greek the Greek word to the English word, word. Amen. That makes sense. But let me tell you what, what, what I found. It, it really blew me away when I read it. It says, this denotes that which is spoken, meaning the, the washing of the water by the word. It means that which is spoken, which is uttered in speech or writing. Amen. The significance of rhema is to take the sword of the spirit. That's Ephesians, right? which is the word of God here. The reference is not to the whole Bible as such. Check this out, but to the individual scripture, which the spirit brings to our remembrance for use in the time of need, which is why we must be regularly stored in our mind with the scripture. It is the individual scripture, which the spirit brings to our remembrance for use in a time of need. You ever hear people say, well, that word wasn't for me today. Well, just take it in. It's going to store up. So when you really need it, that's when it's going to come up. That's the rhema word. That is a word spoken in at the right moment to give you the power you need to press through whatever you need it for. That's the rhema word. So if he's saying to the washing of the water by the rhema word, that's what he's saying, by the rhema word word that he may present to himself a glorious church without spot of wrinkle. It's important. The rhema word is only going to come when you've ingested it to know and allow the spirit to bring it to you. Well, some speakers, a preacher can give you a rhema word because it can be a word. Ooh, that word, you hear people, that word was for me today. That's a rhema word. It hit you right where you needed it. It was exactly what you needed. Ooh, God answered my prayer in a word today. Ooh, that man was speaking today and he said something that I've been asking God for. That was your rhema word. That's why it's important to know. That's why it's important to ask so that you can get what you've been asking God for. That's why it's important you for to allow the word to work in your life so that when you need the word, it's there to come to your defense. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Verse 27 said that he might present it to himself 
a glorious church. So when we look at the next word is present, present, present means to, of course, to stand by like a, like a groom and his wife, right? A groom and his bride. So when Christ present, I don't know how Christ is going to present to himself, his church. Amen. If he's standing, he's valid, he's validating her. Here she is. I've redeemed her. She's sanctified. She's glorious. She's flawless. There she is, Father. Isn't that amazing? To present, to stand by, to stand near, to hand over, to stand ready, to present, to come, um, to commend, to, to, to show off, to yield. This is it. This is what I've done. This is what I died on the cross for. Here she is. How beautiful is she? Glorious, illustrious, honorable, notable, splendid, free from sins, free from spots, free from wrinkles, glorious church, a glorious church. Do you see what else? That's why it's important for the church, the body of Christ, to make sure they are allowing the word to work in their lives so that when the world sees the church, they see Christ. That's how important it is. Christ came to present us glorious to himself. Amen. And that's something that we have to be excited about because it just doesn't end here. All this that we do right now is for us to be presented to Christ when we get to heaven. Amen. Not having a spot or wrinkle. Not having a spot or wrinkle. Well, a spot, of course, we can look at it. We talked about it. A natural spot, but no faults. No moral blemishes. Simp simply put, right? Look at Hebrews 9 and 14 says this. How much more should the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to, to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. First Peter 1 19 says, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. We have to understand that when we stand before God, we will be holy. We will be sanctified. We will be clean. We will be made new. We will be flawless. No wrinkles, no folds, no bends, no, no hidings, no uh, cover-ups. We'll just, we'll be, here we are. When you look at a wrinkled face, it'll be smooth. There'll be nothing. We'll be prepared to meet our Savior. And then he goes on to say, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing or anything that is connected to a spot or wrinkle. That's how holy you're going to be. Anything that resembles it, anything that, that will be a residual or an effect of a spot or a wrinkle. You know, sometimes you have a spot in the garment. It may be dark and you put a spot cleaner in it and you rinse it out and wash it and you can still see a little little discoloration in that garment so there's still something left when it comes to our souls and when we're presented to Christ there won't be nothing left there won't be nothing left we will be white as snow 
will be white as snow because of what we have allowed the word to do in our lives. Praise the Lord. I'm trying to get to my notes. As I said earlier, this would not have been written if it was not possible. Sometimes we can look at it and how can we do all these things with all the challenges and the influences that is going on in the world that are distractions and yeah, some days we do better than others. Some days we do bad. Some days we do superb where nothing bothers us. But I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters, looking at these three verses, simple verses, amen. We got to always remember the importance of the word of God and how it helps us to become what Christ said in Ephesians that, we'll, that we will become. A church that is presented to him without spot, or wrinkle or any such thing. That's it. Isn't that what the scripture says? Without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Don't have no, you know, we have blemishes on our face and we try to hide them. They're dark spots or pimples or something. We won't even have we, we won't have no bumps when we stand before God. There won't be those scars from our the life that we live. We're going to be clean and renewed and all things that have been made will be made new. Amen. Everything. Because when we stand before Christ, we're flawed. Think of flawless. Flawless. What, what do we know on this earth is flawless? I don't know if there's anything. You know, some people say if you get the best diamond out there, you know, they look in the little glass, they look for flaws. That determines if a diamond is the is the the clearest or the the most purified diamond. If there's any type of flaw, that degrades the quality of that diamond. I mean, if you want a real diamond, you can get a real carrot diamond. That might cost a real flawless diamond carrot. It might cost you several thousand dollars. Where there's some di diamonds, you can go get a, a carrot of diamonds. Small the carrot is real small. You might get one for eight hundred dollars. That's not a that's not a pure diamond. That's not a a diamond that is is clear of flaws, and you can't see it with your naked eye. That's why them people put that little thing on that look like a magnifying glass, and they hold that diamond up against the light, and they're looking into it to see if they have any flaws in it. And if they have determined that is that is flawless, then the that 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 is what set the price of a diamond. Even if it has most diamonds are supposed to be clear. There are some diamonds that have like a yellow tint on it. That's not clear. That's, that's not flawless. When we stand before God, he might, he, without the microscopic eyes of Jesus Christ, when we are redeemed and go up to glory and be changed into immortality, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, there won't be a flaw left in us. In heaven, they say there ain't going to be no more sin. No more pain, no more sickness, no more tears, no more all the stuff that you've dealt with on the earth. No more. Sin can't even live in heaven. Can't live there. Christ did it all for us. He made it possible and he left his word to finish doing the work in our lives. And he sent the Holy Spirit to help us, to teach us 
to remind us, to guide us, to show us. That is why it's important for us to seek to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, according to Acts 2 and 1. We want to be empowered to do the witness, Acts 1 and 8, to be empowered to be the witness to the world. Amen. We need to seek the power of the Holy Ghost to help us to become all that 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 Christ wants us to be. Amen. Preparing us to be the bride. What makes this possible? Reading the word. Amen. Meditating on the word. Reading the word. Meditating on the word. Declaring the word. Applying the word to your everyday life. If he said don't do this, then don't do it. If he said turn from this, turn from that. If he said turn toward this, turn toward this. You're applying it. You're using it. You're, you're working it out. You're act, not acting. You're just living it out before God. And before you know it, it becomes habit. It becomes easy to do. Before you know it, it's, it you won't even have to think about it because you've already retrained your mind and it just becomes a natural part of your life. That's the life of a believer. Living this life as you're directed by the Spirit is not hard when you put the work in. Amen? When you put the word in. Get in the word, believers. Get in the word. And with all of that, seek to be led by the Spirit. Seek to walk by the Spirit. Seek to know the Spirit's voice. Seek to allow the Spirit to reveal to you what God is saying in the word for your individual life. Just because the Spirit is directing you a certain way doesn't mean it's for everybody else. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you for you. Let him speak to Willie for Willie. Janelle for Janelle. Let it speak to anybody out there for who you are. And don't put your convictions on nobody else. You just pray for them. You share with them the word of God as the spirit gives you. If they believe it, it'll change their lives forever. If they don't want to receive it, then you give it to them and you just leave it alone. God will take care of it from there. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope the word was good for you this evening. I hope that it was exactly what you needed to, to get you to continue to live this life out before God we pray that that what you've heard tonight will be what you need to continue to help you to build your relationship with Christ and prepare you as Christ's return is really near there are so many things taking place in this world I was reading several things today I'm not going to even begin to touch on that right now but I want to let you know that Jesus really can come any day he can you know the, the events that are taking see it's not going to be reported on the local news and it's not going to be reported on the national news not in America you have to literally I tell you this all the time you have to literally go on the internet look up an Israeli newspaper a Middle East country newspaper and you'll find out stuff that you you didn't even know and you think that you're, you're, you're the president of the United States giving you the right information it is not so I want you to know it is not so don't be fooled by people who say that that our government got got your back. They <clears throat> they don't have your back. I just want you to know they don't have your back. And I love America, but they don't have your back. So do your own research so you can stay aware of what's taking place. You don't want to be caught off guard. Jesus is coming soon. People are dying every day in Israel. The the the, the battle field is getting getting ready the armies are lining up and I tell you with with the tensions the way they are we really we all on the <laughs> World War three can happen anytime 
We don't know. They got volcanoes that are starting to wake up in this country that hadn't been awakened in hundreds of years. Uh, Mount Rainier, they say it's starting to make some rumbles. Hadn't done that in hundreds of years. Unusual events. They had an earthquake in, what was it, in Arizona this weekend, 4.4 in Arizona. I never heard of an earthquake in Arizona. There's a big crack in a mountain in Wyoming that started out like a thin crack, but now it's almost like six, seven, eight feet wide. People, the earth is, is moaning, it's changing, and we don't know what's taking place. All we know is Jesus is coming back soon because the Bible talks about all these things. It says mountains going to be made low, some going to come up, some going to go low, water levels are going to rise, and some not going to rise. I mean, it's going to be hard, a lot of things that are taking place, but only those who are familiar with what the Bible is talking about are going to understand what is taking place. So I want you to know that be prepared, be aware, stay on your toes, don't be caught off guard. Keep yourself unspotted because you don't want to miss it. Jesus is coming soon. We've been waiting for this. My grandparents used to talk about it. We're closer now than I've ever been in my life. Then all the things that we see now was not evident, but now we see the revelation of prophecy coming almost every day prophecy is being fulfilled and we just I can't say it enough be ready saints be ready people of God and if you don't know Jesus have never accepted him and what I'm sharing with you is is news to you the only way that you can miss this and not have to go through the events that are going to take place on this earth is that you have hidden that you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and he has sealed you and has protected you from those things to come. He's the only one. He is a redeemer of the world. He is the Lord who came and died for your sins and his blood was shed on Calvary so that it can be a, a cover, a remission, a washing away of all your sins so that when you're presented to God, as we share with tonight, as you presented in heaven, you'll be without spot or wrinkle. That's what Jesus came for to take away the sins of the world. And if that is you tonight, if you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have backslidden, you've accepted him at one point, but you, you've, you've kind of lost your track, lost the trail, turned away from him willfully or not, either way, it's the same thing. You're a backslider. If you're one of those two and you want to give your life back to Christ and give your life to Christ tonight, I want to pray for you tonight before I let you go. And all that's simple is just repeating a prayer after me. And if you take that moment right now, I want to invite you through this prayer. So, Father God, in Jesus' name, we come to you asking you tonight, God, that you would forgive me of my sin. I confess it before you and asking that you would wash me and cleanse me. Tonight, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart, teach me, lead me, show me how to live this life so that I can be ready when you return. Tonight I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Father, I pray for these who have given their lives to you and have accepted you back into their hearts, that you would give them the power that is needed for them to daily live this life out surrendering to you and allowing the word to come in and do the work. Father, I pray for those who are part of us and that are listening to this broadcast 
that God, that whatever they may have need of, if they're sick, I'm asking you to send your word. Well, you said to send, you sent your word to heal them. And I send your word out tonight to heal all those who are sick and afflicted in the name of Jesus. We declare healing over their body because the word of the Lord says by the stripes of Jesus, they are healed. And that's what we stand on. That's what we believe because we're believers of the word. And whose report we're going to believe? We believe the report of the Lord. So I speak the peace of God upon every soul tonight, upon every family. God, that each one, if they have any needs, that you will be Jehovah Jireh to them. This night in Jesus' name, open doors, make the way, meet the financial needs. God, God, show them directions, lead them in a way that they need to go. Business opportunities, God, whatever it is, Father, teach them, show them, reveal to them so they don't waste no more time. Time is short. Time is short. We don't want to miss it. And for those who you have called and have not gotten up to do what you called them to, Father, send a shaking in their souls, God, that will awaken them out of their sleep, that will propel them off, off of their, their rear ends, God, and get them standing and moving, fulfilling what you called them to do. I pray for that, that courage would rise up, vision would rise up, hope and faith would awaken in them, in the name of Jesus. And we thank you tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.